Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, we know the top half of Ottawa's lineup is in place, but what about the bottom portion? How are these depth pieces going to fit either in Ottawa or in Belleville? And we continue our organizational value rankings with an interesting group of players, some of them trying to claw their way into an NHL roster and the other half just trying to hold on. All that and more on today's edition of the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Lockdown Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 865 of the Lockdown Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountain, you can like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are also free and available on YouTube. Follow us on social media at Send Central on Twitter, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. Today is Thursday, August 31st, and Pilsy, now we're a day away from the month of Senators hockey. We've got rookie camp in less than two weeks from today. Yep, it's it's coming up. Uh, I can't wait. The video of them putting the ice in at the CTC that gets you going and uh, majestic. Yeah, very majestic. It's it's gonna be a great year. And first reported by the streets, by the way, the ice going in. And uh, I don't know if you saw Martians got number two episode of Match Play with the one and only Bruce Garriock. That's gonna be a riot. Oh, yeah, Martian Media kicking things off with uh, the match play episodes. And, yeah, the one with Bruce is uh, we've got a sneak peek at it, and it's pretty funny. Yeah, I went a little too far. I said, great show, fellas. Perfect vibe to start the day. And uh, Cam goes, it's not out yet. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Um, Hey, I really want to get into this conversation before the organizational value rank. He's a reminder, we're back to five shows a week. So if you missed anything this week, make sure you go check it out on YouTube. And this weekend, I will be posting every single organizational ranking that we do up to date. So if you miss any in particular player or you want to kind of rewind, they're all three minutes long. Be nice, easy, bite-sized videos for you on YouTube. They'll live there forever as well. But When I started researching this tier, a persistent thought came in. How the heck are they all going to fit into one team? And I couldn't couldn't get a right answer. Yeah, the same thing happened to me, Ross. Like, you start making the rosters, and you're like, okay, this is nice. And then you're like, wait, there's like three extra guys here that you start thinking. And especially when it comes to Yerish Mekal and Nicholas Matimpalo, like, these guys were having success over in Europe, probably making a decent amount of money, uh, having good roles on their prospective teams. And um, then they're going to come over here. They want a chance to make more money to have a role playing in the NHL in North America. But this isn't the Ottawa Senators of two or three seasons ago where you could come over and there's a bunch of open spots that are just waiting to be filled they're going to have a hard time beating out a lot of these players. And just from an organizational spot, like 
where are the Ottawa Senators going to put more emphasis on, on guys they've invested draft capital in and have kind of been working and pushing towards certain spots or guys that have lots of pro experiences and can hopefully transition into a pro style experience quicker because of the pro experience they have over in Europe. So, I mean, it's good problems, Ross. Uh, I hate to sound like we're complaining, like, oh man, we got too many uh, potential players that can play in our NHL roster, but it's going to be interesting to see how Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith kind of fit everything together. And it's the asset management portion that has been a bit of a struggle over the last number of years. And I hope this is where Sean Tierney and his math can come in and be like, hey, why are we having a 25-year-old who has shown nothing at the NHL level instead of a guy who maybe his numbers in Europe would translate better over? Like, I think one of the camp battles we're going to be watching for is Parker Kelly and Yuri Smekow, that fourth-line left-wing position. And if Roby comes in and he's like, you know, got four or five goals in preseason, maybe he bullies his way into the conversation. But I think with Smekow and Matthew Palho are interesting enough as themselves because – despite being older and more mature and, and playing in, in overseas top leagues for a number of years, Mateen Palo, or sorry, Smekal is uh, 26 years old. Mateen Palo is 24, where they both had to sign entry-level contracts, albeit one year. So they aren't getting the paydays that Larson or Hetherington or these other top AHL guys are getting, where if they get sent down, it's like, okay, like, I kind of expected that, but I'm being compensated to play in the minors. These guys would be making $80,000 to play in the minors. And as you said, they've given up an opportunity in Europe where I'm sure they're making that, if not more, in a comfortable area where they've been for a long time. So those are two guys who are probably the most intriguing names in this tier where we're like, okay, are they in or out? Because you've got your Kellys, you've got your McEwens, you've got your, your, um, your other bottom six guys where it's like, okay, yeah, are you going to be a fourth liner or a third liner or a healthy scratch? But these two, it's like, are you even going to be in the NHL? Yeah, and I don't know the answer to that. And then, like you say, let's say they don't make the NHL. These guys are not going to be happy playing in the AHL, and they're probably too good to be playing in the AHL. But neither of them need waivers, whereas your Lassie Thompson's or Jacob Bernard Docker, who, I mean, he's on a one-way deal now, so JBD, I think,'s graduated from the battle with Lassie Thompson. But Lassie in particular... He needs waivers. Igor yes. Sokolov needs waivers. Are you really going to lose a guy you used a first-round pick on and a second-round pick on for nothing? Like three years later, it just—I mean, you gotta you gotta manage your assets a little bit better than that. Yeah, but then at a certain point too, Ross, you gotta say asset management be damned. We're trying to win hockey games here, and that's where it's it's going to be such an interesting. Um, uh, I don't know, power struggle, I guess, deciding, all right, we put all this investment in here, but it's just not working out here. We need the guys that can play a bigger role now in the NHL. So we have to forget about the amount of capital we had previously invested in these guys and just focus on getting those two points night in and night out. I'm very intrigued. What's your what's the one camp matchup that you're most excited about watching? Uh, for me, Ross, it's going to be that uh, right-hand defenseman on the bottom pair. Because you're looking at, th like, there's three guys where I would be happy with all of them, and I can see all of them working. I I've got Eric Branstrom in pen as the fourth-line left D. I think that makes the most sense. Third. Or, uh, yeah, the third. Yeah, not fourth-line. Um, but then, 
like Eric Brantstrom and Travis Hamannick for me are the front runners to be that pair. That but JBD, he's he's got to have an opportunity here, and I think him and Eric Brantstrom would be a nice pair. But then you bring in Martin Paolo, and that's a guy that was playing upwards of twenty minutes a night in Liga. And he was relied upon in big situations. So that would be another good veteran guy for Eric Branson to play with too. So that's the one spot where I'm really going to be watching because all three of those guys have a really good shot at it, I think. And maybe a dark horse in that race. But Lassie has to have some sort of opportunity if he comes in and blows the door down. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got Lassie on the outside looking in of that that list. That, like That's a three-horse race for me and uh, Lassie's... He's still in the stable uh, of that race, so we'll put it that way. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think that uh, we're, we're going to be lucky enough this year to have the top nine pretty well set as long as they figure out the cap situation, get Shane Pinto signed, and then it's a matter of, okay, who's going to plug in and play the best with other guys on this roster? I, I'm intrigued, and now that we have a bit of a, a different look from you know, the front office perspective and there are more changes coming. We discussed that yesterday. And then on top of that, a new set of eyes at the very top and not to say Michael Anlauer is going to be making hockey decisions, but he's certainly going to be in the crowd watching training camp. I would imagine. And if something catches his eye, like you keep saying pills guy spent $950 million. He's a hockey fan. He's not just going to sit there and, and watch something that ain't working. And that hasn't worked for the last six years and just say, I'm not changing anything. So the, the, the balance of power, both on the ice and in the executive suite, fascinating to watch this season, as yeah. is the growth of Martian Media. Make sure you go subscribe there. We'll be contributing to that as things go along. So make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Senators. Make sure you're subscribed to Martian Media. No excuses this year. The Senators have to make the playoffs. And I'll say this. Out of the five players, six players we're profiling today, three of them have to make impacts at the NHL level. Even if it's in a bottom six role, they have to make impacts for the Sens to be successful. Yeah, and and I think, like, basically you can cut this tier in half and half of them will have a chance to make impacts and the other half won't just because those are the only available jobs. Like, these guys are all kind of fighting for the same positions here. Yeah, like Parker Kelly had... 100% of his goals were game winners last year, but he only scored one goal. Okay, if we could cut the percentage in half, but maybe give him six goals on the year, eight goals? Could I be crazy asking for 10 out of my fourth liner? Yeah, I don't think that's happening. Come on. I do like the shift-disturbing aspects of his game, but let's, uh, let's get a little bit of bottom six depth scoring would be a great sign of things to come for the Senators. We're already in the mid-30s. Pilsy, we've done 30 player profiles this week, and it's Thursday. We got more to come tomorrow, and then we're going to dial it back three guys a day, make it a little bit more in-depth, probably go to six minutes versus three. But right now, it's just an overview of who's in the organization. So what about this tier coming up today? It's tier six. It's NHL depth. It's next on Locked on Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Guys, they're the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network and the North America's number one sportsbook. And you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. You heard me right. That is not a typo. That's not me fumbling my words. 
just 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, you can't get much better than that. That's the FanDuel way, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you're getting those green numbers in your account right away. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Today's episode is also brought to you by Shawarma Palace. Shawarma Palace is the only place to go in Ottawa for Shawarma. Has been since 1997. They have seven locations serving you all across town. And you can also order them exclusively on Uber Eats for them to bring it right to your door. If I won the Stanley Cup and I brought it to Ottawa, I'd be eating Shawarma Palace out of that cup. I Just put, garlic sauce with a spoon, Ross? <laughs> I would probably line the inside of the cup with garlic sauce. One, not that they don't clean it, but I feel like that would just disinfect it as is. The garlic would just get in there, do its thing. And then you just have the freshest ingredients known to man, the salad, the hummus, the the uh, the little paprika they put on the, the hummus. What a touch. Then they've got their fresh pita. You got your bed of rice, fluffy rice you get your absolutely pristine chicken on there and it's all at shawarma palace so make sure you go to any of their locations follow them on social media as well i always get jealous when i see it pop up but if you're in the ottawa area you can get it right immediately at your door thanks to uber eats so go check them out today go eat like a royal go eat at shawarma palace All right, Pilsy. Before we get to our organizational value rankings, I do want to bring up no free ads. But you see that the Vegas Golden Knights athletic trainer was eating Golden Palace egg rolls out of the Stanley Cup. That's solid. a solid move. Yeah. Solid move. Yeah. Oh, my God. How many do you think you could eat in one sitting? I know that you're slow. Well, we, test, we tested this at Club Bell. Uh, I didn't get anywhere near where are the numbers you hit? Uh, I I must have got it at least eight in though, like eight halves though. Those are yeah half. yeah those are cut in half. Yes, that's yeah. fair. Yes, but that's actually a cheat move because if you get them cut in half, you get double the crispy ends, and that's one of True. the best parts. So you know what? They're on to something there. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Call us. Imagine we had Golden Palace, Shawarma Palace. I mean, those are the, that's like the the holy trinity of Ottawa restaurants. Okay. Here's a question, because we always get the comments on like things we just randomly pass by. Yesterday, it was the rule changes, which I'm very interested in all the responses. Let us know what rule changes you would like in the NHL. But holy trinity of food in Ottawa. If I were to say Golden Palace, Shawarma Palace, what would be the third restaurant for you? Of course, Glebe Central Pub has the vibes, the beer, everything like that. But an Ottawa staple, what would be third is it kettleman's like kettleman's probably would be my answer just because i live nearby i grew up going there all the time but let us know in the comments what's the third of the holy trinity of ottawa food with that we go back to our organizational value rankings all right coming in at number 35 on our 2023 the fourth annual organizational value rankings it's parker kelly who actually signed right before our first rankings he came in at 46 the first year then he moved up to 32 then 
26, and now he's back down, falling seven, no, more, nine spots down to 35. Yeah, it was a tough season for Parker Kelly, and really unfortunate because I I think he made a really good impression on DJ Smith the season before 2021-2022, and he, he was a guy that, Ross, we affectionately called him the shift disturber because he was able to go out there agitate other teams while also putting up a decent amount of points for being a fourth line guy. His first NHL game, he he scored a goal. Yeah. Scored a goal and he annoyed Jake Muzzin to no end that he was running around not even paying attention to what was going on on the ice. It was the yeah. perfect Parker Kelly game and I hope we see more of that cuz it felt like he was just kind of lost in the shuffle this past season, right? It didn't feel like yeah. he ever like made his presence known on a game. And that's what he needs to be doing on the fourth line. Like, I hate to use this as an example because they're not the same player, but like Ryan Reeves plays five minutes a game, but you know the five minutes he's on the ice. Yeah. Parker Kelly, it just felt like he was taking his turn. You know, he'd throw a hit, but he's not the biggest guy. He needs to be doing extra when it comes to that. Like after the whistle, I want him, you know, poking on the top of guys' skates and, you know, just try to get guys off balance and, you know, just be annoying. I want him to be so annoying that other teams' fan bases hate him. That's what I want most for Parker Kelly. And I think that's what would bring him success. Like uh, like the season before Austin, 41 games, he had seven goals, five assists for 12 points. So like, if you prorate that to 82 games, math guy, that's 24 points in 82 games for a fourth liner would be great. Like that, that would be excellent. Uh, but then you look at this season, 55 games, one goal, three assists. And Ross, we were talking before, three of um, those points. No, four of those points. Sorry. Wait, no, three. Oh, three. A goal and two assists. <laughs> okay, math guy. Whoops. Three no, of those points happened in four game stretch. Like no, We can see you doing the three. We got the graphic. <laughs> that's just for my own sake yeah. then. Um, but that's just the thing. Like he, he wasn't able to produce at all. And guys like Mark Kaslick, they, they need someone that can help them produce. Cause I think Mark Kaslick can uh, elevate his game points wise as well. But you did mention Parker Kelly's out there throwing hits and we got to give him credit here. He was second on the team in hits with 172 and in only 55 games played to be second on the team in hits is is pretty good. Like he he's doing what he needs to do, but like you said, at 6 feet, 187 pounds, it's not like those hits are always thunderous or guys are, you know, hearing his footsteps come up and they're hesitating and making bad decisions because they're worried about getting hit by him. Yeah, it's, it's not, you know, the same type as a Catholic hit. Let's put it that way. Now, he's on yeah. a one-way contract for the first time in his career this year, making near, actually below new league minimum. He's making 762. So, it's not like he's breaking the bank. So, I can't can't be too hard on his production. But when you look at the, um, the down trend from last season with the numbers that you mentioned there, you're just hoping for a bit of a market correction to – you know, somewhere in the middle, at least, if not a bit better. This was actually the first year that he was a full-time NHLer, though. He'd played parts of the season, even last year, despite playing 41 games in Ottawa. He played 33 in Belleville. Actually played 33 in Belleville each of the last two seasons. And then the full year, his first year signing as an undrafted free agent, we should mention as well. But past season, all 55 games came in the National Hockey League. And maybe he put a little too much pressure on himself to be like, hey, I've got this two 
year deal where the second year, so this upcoming year, I'm on a one-way contract. I got to prove that I can be an everyday NHLer. And I hope that he just goes in this summer and, you know, watches the tape of his successful seasons rather than dwell on the negative, go in there and be like, okay, I know I can play at this level. Let me go and impose myself. He's fast, right? Like use your speed, get in on the four check and create disturbances and, and allow your team to have more offensive zone time. You saw the expected goals percentage. If you're watching on YouTube, 44.8, that's one of the lowest on the team. And you always want to be over 50, right? That's the, better chances that you get when you're on the ice percentage wise. So I, I have some faith in him and I think that it's going to be a battle for him in training camp, despite being on that one way contract. Not only is Yuri Smekal nipping at his heels, but like we've long been on Angus Crookshank's bandwagon. He's going to be hungry. We know that he's going to at the very least push Parker Kelly to be better because their prototype is pretty similar. Annoying, fast, hard on the forecheck, undersized, right? Then, like, Cole Reinhardt, a guy who I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to win that spot, but that type of player on the left side are going to push him, and they all have that similar 4-1-1. So I, I'm excited to see this battle in training camp, but with the one-way contract, Parker Kelly is the betting favorite, I would say, going into camp. Over, under 55 NHL games played for Parker Kelly. Under. Yeah. I'll say 48 and you know what obviously you're you're praying and hoping for for good health all season but if he's playing a rambunctious style as he should almost reckless that could take away 10 or 15 games if he's kind of in and out in the lineup but i just want him in the games whether it's 30 40 82 just be effective in your role don't don't try to go outside of it but be effective in your role know what you do best and and bring it each and every night and this is a contract year for him, Ross. Like he he got the one one way on this part this year of his contract. So he, this is a big prove it year, and he's got the competition now. So it's going to be a pivotal year for Parker Kelly's career here. Now nine spots on our list coming in at thirty five on our twenty twenty three rankings. Coming in at number thirty four, a first time Ottawa Senator signed to a three year contract at league minimum. Basically an extra entry-level contract. It's 26-year-old Zach McEwen. Zach McEwen is essentially Austin Watson's replacement, right? He's going to be a right winger on the fourth line that's going to take a lot of the duties of fighting away from guys like Brady Kachuk. Then, And that's what this team needs that. I don't care what side of the argument you're on. You hate fighting. You love fighting. You want only analytical darlings on your team. You want some toughness on your team. Whatever. You do need someone that if things are getting heated and out of hand, you can't have Brady fighting these scrubs like he was doing before. I, like I'm all for Brady fighting, but it's got to be, you know, it's got to be a guy that's worth taking him off five minutes for. Like you can't have a fourth line getting five minutes and Brady getting five minutes and Brady potentially hurting himself in uh, an altercation like that. So Zach McEwen gets a three-year deal at league minimum. I think that's that's fine. For me, but Ross, the one thing I'll say, and I said this when they signed Zach McEwen, he's got a lot of um, bravery and courage. Like he doesn't step down from fights. He goes in there swinging. But similar to Austin Watson, his win percentage on fights is very low. It's higher than Austin Watson. It's it's higher than Austin Watson's, but it's still very low. Like even today, Ross, I was like, maybe I just had it wrong. Like I, I want to freshen up and revisit. I watched his last five fights. 
he didn't win a single one of them. Now, at least other than like Austin Watson was kind of just a punching bag and that that was it. Whereas Zach Coons at least throwing swings and he's connecting on a couple of them, but the end result of the fight had not gone his way in many of the fights I saw. I shouldn't bring up then when you say who Brady shouldn't be fighting that Brady's fought Zach McEwen twice. Well, no, that's a perfect example. Like I wish Zach McEwen was there. So Zach McEwen could have fought Zach McEwen instead of Brady Kachuk. <laughs> Last year, Zach McEwen split his season between Philadelphia and LA where he was uh, actually traded for one of the worst players in the National Hockey League. I don't even know what he's thinking. He's just a complete brickhead. He's got nothing up there. Bad, bad guy, bad player, but what a joke he is. That's Brady Kachuk talking about Brendan Lemieux, the player who was traded for Zach McEwen. But McEwen had four goals, 10 points in 56 games. Like, dude, he more than doubled Parker Kelly's output. So let's not say that he's a complete scrub unless we're going to look at the fourth line last year and be like, hey, it's actually... A step up. Now, Austin Watson was able to put up similar, if not a little bit better points, but you take away the Red Wings games and all of a sudden he's <laughs> he's putting up Parker Kelly numbers. So Zach McEwen, I mean, if you didn't think he's a fighter, like I had to put it in his in his stats pack. I was like, how many fights did this guy get in last year? The answer is seven, had 66 penalty minutes as well. He's to me, okay, over under 50 games, Zach McEwen. The thing I think I think we actually did this poll, Ross. Maybe check, uh, do do your Twitter work and check on Sense Central what over under we did for Zach McEwen. Um, and I think I, I'm probably repeating, but remember, DJ Smith is the coach of this hockey team. I I think he's going to play more games than people think. What what official over under are we going for? And then I'll give an answer. Well, you know what? You've got a nice little memory on you there, Pilsy. Credit to you here as we're pulling up the poll we put up on Twitter. I put it at 60.5 games and 77% had the under. And that's a bit, look at the sample size of the votes there, 2,013 votes. So that's, that's quite a say there. I, I think that's such a good over-under. I think he's barely going to be under. I, I'll, I'm going to say... You see how I, I clarified in brackets, NHL? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good call. Uh, I'm going to say he's going to play right around 55 games, like pretty much what he did last season. Yeah, but great locker room guy from everything we've heard. He's a PEI native. Yep. You know those East Coast salt of the earth uh, humans are, are always good guys to have around. So I think for Zach McEwen, you probably want to be... Less is more. Like, the less he touches the puck, probably the better. But if he, you know what, I, and I say this about every fourth line, you know what, Parker Kelly should take notes on this as well. The coolest thing that Chris Neal ever did is he would not leave the ice on his first shift until he got a lick in on someone. Yeah. Like, go in, like, start every game with a little bit of momentum, especially at home, get the crowd into it. Like, Sens fans would see Chris Neal come off the bench for his first shift. And it was like an immediate buzz in the building because he was going to run someone. <laughs> yeah. I want Zach McEwen to watch Chris Neal highlights and watch the way he went about creating energy for his team. Because it's not always about just dropping the gloves, getting punched in the face a couple times. I'm all for that, but it's about creating momentum. And not only that, but making that defenseman who gets hit early in the game to look over his shoulder one extra time before it goes back and gets the puck. So those games within the games, I think, is where Zach McEwen can make himself effective. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a 10-goal, 15-goal guy, but if he can make himself effective beyond just throwing his, his fists, that would be a huge win for Ottawa because 
like you said, he's going to be in the lineup more games than not. Yeah, and just like, look, for these fourth line guys, Parker Kelly, Zach McEwen, just capitalize on the opportunities you're you're given. Like, you're, you're not going to play much more than 10 minutes a night, if if ever. So if you get a chance in the offensive zone and you got a good look at a wide open net, just cash in on those and get get five goals in, in the season kind of thing, right? Like, that's that's kind of what we're looking for here. And he's got a, the thing, if you're going to be a fighter like Zach McEwen, I want him to pick his spots because especially his win record isn't great. You got to pick the right spots and the right players and the right time of the game to execute your, your one move, your one time to get a fight going. And I think it can be a, it like when a fight happens can either bring a team's energy up or keep them going down. And that's a major factor that I think not a lot of people are fully aware of. Zach McEwen coming in at number 34 on our Locked On Senators organizational value rankings. All right, coming in at number 33, it's Yuri Smekal coming over from the SHL, but he's bounced around leagues now for, uh, well, teams for a couple years in a row, was playing leagues even. Yeah, well, yeah, Czechia right before the pandemic, then went over and played for Tapara in the Liga, then played for the Pelicans in Liga, and then went over to play in the SHL, where he had a lot of success, 43 points, 49 games, over 20 goals, and a guy who, I mean, struggled at the World Championships. Apparently, he was playing hurt, but uh, eight games, one assist, minus seven in the World Championships for Czechia. Far cry from Dominic Kubelik, his teammate who led the whole tournament in goal scoring. But Yuri Smekal comes in as a bottom six option, with a ton of size. I was shocked to see this guy coming in at what he is. And Ross, even before playing in Czechia, he played in the KHL. So, like, he's pretty much hit the full bingo card of European leagues to play in. So that's a guy with great experience at only 26 years old. And the nice thing too, Ross, I'll even expand beyond that. Before that, he was playing in the WHL. So he's one of those European guys that does have experience Playing in North America, mind you, that was a long time ago when he was a teenager. Uh, so maybe not the best example, but at least he has an idea of what it's like. But when you're putting up almost point per game uh, stats in the SHL, it's definitely something to look at, especially with the size, like you mentioned. Like, I am very intrigued as to how Yuri Schmekal is going to look in Ottawa, especially Ross with a guy like DJ Smith. Like, I, I think the biggest thing for Smekal is can he provide the pace of play that's going to allow him to have DJ Smith put in positions to succeed offensively? Like, I could see him being a fourth-line guy and just kind of, you know, having a little bit more offensive touch to that fourth line when they need it. But if he's really going to succeed here, he has to play a hard enough, fast enough, strong enough game that DJ Smith's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to give you a chance on the third line. And then with guys like Pinto and Kubalik, he can really put up some numbers. Hopefully, but it might not want to come to that if other guys like Ridley Gregg or, or Igor are, are producing. He's yep. one of those guys where you're like, okay, you're 6'4", 223, left shot. You've got a ton of experience. But the, the downside, and I saw this in Winnipeg last year, they brought in a European free agent, similar size, similar age, similar production. And he had 10 points and hasn't been signed. Saku Manalainen, right? Another big yep. player, also six foot four, also over 200 pounds, uh, also played in Liga the year before coming over. 
And it just like, sometimes it just doesn't translate. So I, I hope it can. And it sounds to me like this guy can kill penalties. He can, he can do other things on the ice that will make him valuable beyond five on five. But I just want to temper expectations and then be impressed if he over supersedes him. So I think in all of my depth charts or line combos before camp, I'm leaving him out and I'm leaving Mateen Palo out. Those would just be pleasant surprises if they come in and earn a spot. And then if they contribute on top of that, even better. But where I have Smekal right now is just a guy to push Parker Kelly to be his best. And I, I just want, if if that internal competition excels Parker Kelly, like if they're even, Parker Kelly wins the race. You've dra- you've developed him. I know he's undrafted, but they signed him right away. Two-time Jonathan Petra Award winner, right? Like he's worked his bag off for this organization. I just think that if you're going to bring in a guy in, Smakeal better be so much better than Parker Kelly that it's a no-brainer. And I'm not saying he can't be, but having the two-way option, no waivers, like, it's such a low risk acquisition Yeah, that to me, I'm, I'm keeping him to me. He's the extra forward going into training camp. And then whatever he does with the opportunity credit to him, I'll be all for him. If he's able to push his spot into the team. Cause man, imagine a fourth line having him and Cassie. These guys are enormous. And then, yeah, I mean, McEwen, whoever you want to throw on the right wing, Hey, throw Igor in there. Remember the, the yeah. Julian Gauthier experiment. Smake is basically Julian Gauthier size. Probably not the same speed, but maybe a little bit better hockey sense. So I'd make that trade uh, for uh, speed versus hockey sense every day of the week. Yeah, I'm with you, Ross. I think I've got Schmeichel as my uh, extra forward in the NHL just because you talk about all those guys that could be playing on the fourth line. Um, Kelly, uh, McEwen, even I would throw uh, Boko as an option on that right side. Him and McEwen could split. So you've got a fourth line of um, grinders, bruisers, and fighters. But if you want to switch it up a little and get a different look, I think you could inject uh, Schmeichel into the lineup to try to boost up that bottom scoring. So there could be a world where we see just Parker Kelly and Schmeichel flipping on that left wing on that fourth line just to get different looks, depending on how DJ Smith thinks they'll match up against other rosters. Now, his happiness has to be taken account. And does he just ask to go back to Europe if he doesn't make the team? But if this guy plays in Belleville, he better be a rock star down there. For his profile, he should be a guy who's like leading the league in points, hopefully. But that's the thing, Ross. Like, I was trying to get into the mind of these uh, European imports and their agents being like, okay, you've made this decision to come over. Would you rather be a healthy scratch most nights, but you're making 785 grand or whatever it is. Or would you rather be playing top minutes in the AHL and lighting it up, but now your your client or you yourself are only making 80 grand, but you've at least put yourself on notice in North America being like, hey, this guy dominated in the AHL. He can play the North American game. And then next year you set yourself up. Like, I don't know how they're going to decide that because also you're looking at uh, Schmeichel, 26 years old. Like, He'll be the, 27 in November too. Oh, true. Yeah. So the dollars you're making now are, are very important, not only in your career, but in your lifestyle. So very interesting dynamics for these uh, extra European imports. Yuri Smekal comes in at number 33, making his debut on the Locked On Senators organizational value rankings. Coming up next, we've got three more players to profile. You're listening to Locked On Senators.
All right, you're listening to Locked On Senators, your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers out there that ride with us. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. The road to 10,000 continues by the end of the season. 10,000. That's the goal. Get us there. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Steal your family members' phones. Pilsy says if they're a Habs fan, even better. Let's get Locked On Senators on their homepage on YouTube. But now we go back to our organizational value rankings. Coming in at number 32, making his debut on this list, it's right shot defenseman Nicholas Matin Paolo. This is the other uh, European import we've been talking about, and I think he's very intriguing, Ross. Says he's a couple of years younger than Schmeichel. Uh, he'll be turning 25 in October, but for a 24-year-old Ross to have 205 games of experience in Liga, that is, there's a lot of value there, and he, like, you can't really look at him as a prospect uh, in my mind because that is a great sample size of pro experience and Liga arguably in that kind of top echelon of European leagues. Nicholas Matin Paolo, six foot three, 207 pounds. He, like you said, has a shot defenseman too. Very valuable. There's no doubt about that. A very low risk signing for the senators as well. Nothing sexy about the way he plays. He's not going to put up a ton of points last year in 51 games had 16 points, seven goals, nine assists, 20 penalty minutes was plus two. Had three points, goal and two assists in seven games to the World Championships. 16 points, way above what I expect from him next year, even if he plays all 82 in Ottawa. He would be a complimentary right shot defenseman, almost in the mold of a JBD. Great skating defenseman, good gap control, doesn't look out of place or didn't at the World Championships, and just, you know, Steady Eddie, which Ottawa could have used two, three years ago more than ever. Now I think you're going to be in a battle to make the final uh, push on a roster spot for uh, for this upcoming team. With that said, looking at elite prospects, and they did their countdown of Senators prospects, they still have him in the mix there. And they said after watching some tape, they see why Ottawa's taking a chance on him. Looks like an NHL caliber player in a lot of his shifts uh, last year. Played power play, penalty kill, and the pace is the only thing they're worried about. Can he keep up with NHL pace? Good thing they got preseason to figure that out because, I mean, he's he's going to be a guy who I think would be more so in line for the first call-up. I think for him, just because we're, like, for Smakeout, it's him or Parker Kelly. We're more so basing that race on for fourth-line left wing, whereas for Martin Paolo, because of the re-signing of Travis Hamanick. Now it's him, JBD, and Matthew Paolo. It's just a little bit longer of a of a shot, I think, for him to start in Ottawa. But then again, there's only six defensemen versus 12 forwards. It's more likely that they're going to need to call up a defenseman sooner, whereas he could be that guy early. And then if he sticks, maybe he doesn't go back down. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think uh, as far as the start of the season goes, Matin Paolo will likely end up in Belleville just because they're really going to want to see that battle between Hamannick and JBD, especially with waiver implications there. But look, if there's an injury in Ottawa and there's a spot open, I think Matin Paolo is going to be the first guy up because the Sens have given the the taste or they've given a chance to the other vet guys in Belleville, right? Like Larson's seen his chance. Hetherington's seen his chance. And they, they didn't do – yeah, Lassie has seen his chance. They didn't do anything really that blew the doors off, and now they're the guy. And they're going to want to see what Matt Paolo can do in the NHL, especially with all that pro experience. So 
I really think that if there's injuries, he's going to be the first guy they're going to want to get a look at. And he was also one of the most improved players in league. And I know points aren't everything, especially for the style of defenseman that I just mentioned, but he doubled his point output from the year before. And that year he had doubled his output from the year before. And before that he had like one point in 33 games before COVID. So I I do think that there is something to be said about catching a guy as they hit their perfect spot in their development cycle. And I think that could be, Nicholas Martin Paolo. Funny enough, he he won't be completely uh, walking into a new dressing room. He's uh, former teammates with both Roby Arventi and Lassie Thompson with Eels uh, back right before the COVID pandemic uh, wiped out. So he played two years, uh, one two years with Lassie and one year with Roby uh, with Eels. So well, and and Ross. Funny enough, uh, Roby and Lassie will probably have some chirps for him as Eels is the team that knocked his team a sat out of the playoffs in Liga. So they they might have a couple. Uh, kind words for him there oh yeah no doubt as, as they should but when when you're looking at Martin Paolo what to you would be a successful season for him I, I hate to come at it with this angle Ross but I really see him as being an injury replacement guy and we don't want injuries we saw enough of those last year I think if he plays more than 35 games that would be successful for him uh, I don't I want to see Martin Paolo play, but unfortunately, the only way I see him getting a large sample size is if injuries happen. So for him, 35 games in the NHL is successful, but that's not going to be good for the team, I think. I think I'm getting a bit of uh, Jacob Larson vibe from him, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not going to hurt you when he's out there, but certainly there's guys who have a bit more upside and, and could maybe help produce a little bit more. Two of them are coming up on our list right now. But coming in at number 32... In his debut on our organizational value rankings, it's Nicholas Martin Paolo. All right, coming in at number 31 on the Locked On Senators organizational value rankings, it's Lassie Thompson. He's been brought up so many different ways on this show as almost a stepping stone for other guys to make a jump before him. But what can the 2019 first round pick do to cement himself as a legit NHL player? He only got two games of NHL experience last year, Pilsy. They went to other guys in minors last year. It was inconsistent for him, but there still has to be some of that upside. I haven't seen the Tom bomb in ages. Yeah. And Ross, that's the thing. Like, there were opportunities for defensemen to be called up to play NHL time last season. There. The chances were there, and time and time again, they chose not to go with Lassie Thompson. Now, as far as what does he need to do, um, we got we got to see the Tom Bomb come out. Like that's that's one of his patented attributes is that slap shot from the point. We didn't see it enough, but what I will say is, from talking with Footy, talking with David Bell, the kind of resounding statement seemed to be that yes, Lassie was inconsistent, but he really improved his defensive play in Belleville near the end of the season. And that helped round out his game and have a little more consistency there. But I just, I want to believe in Lassie and I want to have more to say about him, but I really feel like the time has come where mutually it's beneficial for the senators and Lassie Thompson to go their separate ways. It's just disappointing because before his call-up last year, he was putting up offensive numbers too. He had 10 points in his first 15 games last year with Belleville. Then he had those two games. They didn't go great. He didn't really get much of an opportunity. He was dash two in his first one. And then the win in uh, in Anaheim, like 
barely played nine minutes, had two minor penalties, right? Like he just wasn't helping them out. And then he went back down and he was still good pills. He had four more points in his next six games. And then it just kind of was hot and cold. You know, he'd go five games without a point. Then he'd have six points in seven games. Then he'd go five games without a point, And it just finished ice cold. Good thing at the end of the year, he had in the final weekend, he had four points in three games that helped out. But before that he went 10 games without one. And like, yeah, you can be better defensively, but like, we, we got we to gotta see the Tom bomb. I mean, that's that's what you, you drafted him for as an offensive defenseman out of Kelowna. And I, I think I appreciate the way he's been working on his weaknesses and trying to get better. But I would almost rather you do what you do well, very well, and have your flaws be your flaws and maybe mitigate them as much as you can. But for Lassie, it almost felt like he's given up so much of his offense to get better at defense that it's kind of like, where is he going to find the happy medium to that? Now, all that said, at the end of the day, you look at the numbers, 33 points in 56 games. Like, that's not bad when you look at uh, an AHL production for a 22, soon to be um, 23-year-old. He turns 23 in less than a month on September 24th. But minus nine, you'd like to clean that up. And I think the big thing for Lassie, which is is wearing everyone's patience thin, is that he needs waivers this year. So it's like, hey, are you going to lose this guy for absolutely nothing? Yeah, and you really don't want to lose him for nothing. A former first-round pick and a guy the Sens, uh, you know, had a lot of faith in. And a guy that you can see the potential there. But, yeah, I just don't think it's going to work, Ross. Because even if, let's say he does clear waivers, which I don't think would happen. I think a rebuilding team would would love to just pick him up to see how things would go. But even if he does clear waivers, I've got Max Gannett as the top right shot defenseman that's going to be getting top power play and going to be put in the best position to succeed down in Belleville. So even if he goes down to Belleville, he's not going to be put in a spot where he should be to thrive. So I don't, again, I hate to say it. I'm cheering for Lassie. He's been on the show. Uh, He's a good kid, but I just, I don't see a spot for him in this organization anymore. And I, I'm cheering for him. So I I think it would be good for him to get a new opportunity somewhere else and have better chances to succeed. Yeah, I mean, he was a guest on this show. He was awesome. I really enjoyed chatting with him. We got the tour of Eels with him and then Roby a little bit later. Like, uh, I I really respect, you know, what he's been able to accomplish in terms of, you know, making a weakness into the strength of his game. It's just, will it fit here with the timeline and with Ottawa having young defensemen all over the rest of their decor it just feels like you know jbd's a year older and probably a year more mature and not only that i I mean that in an on ice sense of being able to kind of box out a little bit better in front of the net and um it almost feels like the play would be if a team's interested and has a spot for him on the back end and and believes in lassie that he would be attached with whoever you're going to move to make some cap space to sign shane pinto and that way you're not giving up a draft pick because they've given up so many draft picks in recent years, like it feels like this would almost be, hey, it's a position of strength. You've basically replaced him with Mattin Paolo for free in terms of asset management. You can kind of attach it and and just cut your losses. The, uh, yeah, I, I I think that would be ideal, Ross. The only thing is you got no leverage. Every general, general manager is going to be looking at this and be like, why would I give you an asset when Lassie Thompson is going to go on waivers? And the thing is... Well, the asset would be like a seventh or future considerations. Like you're basically just... The asset is getting rid of the cap. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're just getting the rights oh, to no. getting him first. But the thing is, the teams that would want him would be rebuilding teams, 
And those are the guys first up at waiver calls anyway. So they're going to have the best chance of grabbing him anyway. So unless they're really worried that a team is going to get claim him before them, they're not, they're not going to be interested in that, unfortunately. Kelsey, last year, Lassie Thompson had his highest ranking on our organizational list. Year 2020, he was 22nd, then he was 23rd, then he was 20th, and now he's down 11 spots, coming Mm -hmm. in at 31 on our organizational value rankings. All right, coming in at number 30 on our organizational value rankings, it's Travis Hamanek. Wadoosh, wadoosh, hit him with the hammer. Happy to have him back on a two-year deal, $1.1 million per season. He is the veteran presence on the back end, especially now with the departure of Nick Holden. I know we've long been fans of the way he plays. Your thoughts on the contract and what he brings this upcoming season for Ottawa. I mean, this was one of those dear deals where on Twitter, it was very divided. Uh, we were happy to have him back. That's a low number for a guy like Travis Hamnick and what he can bring to this team and back end that they're lacking in veteran kind of tough uh, leadership back there. And look, some people were enraged that not only was it a two-year deal, but there's a no-move clause. (laughs) Yeah, Ross is absolutely shocked. Somebody wants to be in Ottawa? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, this is a time in Hamnick's life where the money isn't the main thing. We looked at his uh, overall earnings on Cap Friendly, and let's just say he's doing all right (laughs) in total. I think we talked about this. It's what, 42 mil or something? Close, 36. 36, yeah. So he's doing okay financially. So he's not going to try to break the bank here. The thing is, we heard his um, garbage day locker clean out interview, and he was raving about Ottawa. I want to be here. I love the culture here. My family loves it here. I want to have stability. So they gave him that two-year deal, and they said, hey, look, if you want to be here, you get to be here. They gave him a full no move clause, which is saying a lot. Uh, that's like that's something the senators do not do and have not done in the past, really. So I think that was the only way you're going to get him to stay. And I do believe there is a role for him here, even if Ross he becomes your six point five defenseman. You know, like not quite a full sixth guy and not quite a full seventh guy. Maybe he gets into somewhere between thirty five and fifty games a year, oh. and I I think that would be okay. More. Nick Holden played 65 last year, and that's where I'm putting the number for Travis Hamnick this year. 55-65 games is my guess. I think people underestimate how good he is at penalty killing. Yeah. He's yeah, the best, he's penalty, penalty best penalty killing defenseman on the team. Him and Jake Sanderson. I was going to say. That's your number one pair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who do I rather have eating shots? It's not Jake Sanderson, I'll tell you that much. Definitely. Bubble wrap him and keep him playing 82 games every season uh, for the rest of time, but like – Anyone who is disgruntled with Travis Hamanick, I would just say go ask Jake Sanderson what you think about Travis Exactly, yeah. Your favorite player's favorite player is Travis Hamanick. <laughs> yeah, that's like, who did Brady Kachuk say his favorite player was? All-time answer. I'm, I'm blanking on it now, though. Oh, uh, Barrett Jackman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll love to see that. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. Hamanick does so many things. He blocks shots. He, he's killing penalties, and it... 143 block shots in 56 games, dude. And and he had some key block shots where you're looking at games and you're like, if he doesn't block that shot, this game's going to overtime. The Giroux slap shot goal yep. on the breakaway doesn't happen unless Hamannick eats four pucks. The goal, right after the goal, they cut to Hamannick and he's just drifting to the bench in so much pain. 
Well, he he was one of those guys that uh, Zub broke his jaw. But what happened to Hamannick that one game? Oh, from a block got, shot. Well, he also, and then they scored right after. He also got smoked in the face by Thomas Shabbat on the bench. Oh, <laughs> yeah, all time blooper moment. Oh my god! Yeah, um, play of the day. Yeah, but the thing is, this defense group is very good now. Arguably one of the best decors that this franchise has seen in a long time. But you still need guys like Travis Hamannick. And I know the analytics people are screaming at their computer. They're they're pulling up the heat graphs as we speak. But I wonder what uh, Sean Tierney thinks of Hamannick. Yeah, that's the thing. We, we know what those people think of Hamannick. But I, there's so much more that goes on into, into the game. And... A professional hockey team is, believe it or not, more than just the on-ice uh, attributes. Like, these are people. These are their jobs. you got to go into work every day, and you need guys that have been through the grind of many seasons and have playoff experience and things like that that the younger guys can lean on. So I think Hamnick is, is a perfect example of that. And at one point, like, just if you look at it, just no kind of uh, bias or opinions – a guy that's going to do what he's going to do for 1.1 million is solid value in my opinion. 56 games last year, 6 goals, 15 assists for 21 points, which is not even close to last on the Senators. He was actually kind of an offensive defenseman funny enough last season, more points than Eric Brandstrom like yeah. he was put in a position where he's a shutdown defenseman, he ends up putting up some points as well. And and just to your point about the the age of the Senators back end and needing a, a vocal leader who's older, this is the age on the back end for Ottawa. Top pair, 26 for Shabbat, 25 for Chikrit. Yep. The second pair, who, who do you want to have on there? Sanderson and Zub. So why yep. don't we do 21 years old and 27? And then the third pair is two 23-year-olds in Eric Brandstrom and Jacob Bernard Docker. The oldest defenseman there is Artem Zub. He's 27. Yes. He doesn't even speak English. Yeah, yeah, and he he doesn't have a lot of NHL experience, really. So, oh, he came over two years ago, right? Yeah. And one of them was the shortened season where DJ had him as a healthy scratch to start the year. Don't even get me into that. <laughs> but Travis Hamnick at 33 years old, I think that for him it was stability getting that two year deal. But 1.1, I mean, come on, for a seventh defenseman, that's less than than Nick Holden was making at 1.3 to do a similar role. So Travis Hamnick. Last year, where did he come in last year on the list? He came in at 28, so he's down two spots. Okay. Organizational rankings, number 30, ending the tier of depth NHLers. Let us know in the comments, who do you have the highest hopes for, and who are you like, ah, whatever, ready to move on from them? Because that's what this tier is. It's are they going to make the team, or are you ready to move on? So let us know that in the comments. Pilsy, we are going long again. Shocker, five shows a week, locked on Senators. Still going long. Final thoughts, sir. No final thoughts for me. Let's. Uh, I don't want to ramble on here, so we'll we'll make it nice, quick, and easy. We'll be back tomorrow with our prospect here, third prospect here. We're getting into some serious contenders to be NHL players. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. Have a great day, everyone. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. <laughs>